making disciples like Jesus who make disciples like Jesus. We've had it in the newsletter the past two weeks where you can find a link to a free digital copy or you can order it from your, if you're like me and still like actual books, um, you can order it from your favorite bookseller. This is something our Mississippi Conference is doing together. Our leadership has been reading through the book. We're going to share it through worship as well. So I do invite you, grab a copy. Just take your time reading through it. It's a good reminder of the call that we are all called to, reflecting on what it means to be a disciple. What is a disciple? How am I living into this call as a disciple? Um, As Charles Guest reminded us last week, that question, how then shall we live? So last week, we kind of thought about discipleship as consuming Jesus, taking Jesus in bit by bit, story by story, conversation by conversation, step by step, prayer by prayer, Sunday by Sunday, moment by moment. So this week, we're going to think about how does discipleship look? We consume Jesus, Jesus consumes us, and our world in turn is consumed by a people shaped by a God of liberation, of provision, of love and grace. So how does this look? We're going to begin the whole conversation with the call of the first disciples and what that story may tell us about how discipleship looks. Coming from Matthew 4, as we prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. God, illumine our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, our eyes may see your kingdom Our ears may hear the call of Jesus, and our hearts may know the joy of your salvation. Amen. Reading from Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, the very first page um, of this book, Disciple Like Jesus, it tells a story that it calls a tale of two neighbors, Marty and Phil. It says Marty doesn't consider himself religious. He hasn't been in a church building in over 25 years. He has a Bible, but he doesn't read it. He doesn't write a check to a church. And then there's Phil, one of his neighbors. He attends church regularly. He ties, he leads Bible studies, he volunteers in the food pantry, he serves on various committees. On any given day, the story goes on, if you were to drive through that neighborhood, you would see Marty sitting on the front porch with several guys from the neighborhood. 
Phil, on the other hand, doesn't even know his neighbor's names. He wouldn't recognize them if he bumped into them in the grocery store. Marty is always available to help. His neighbors always call on him when something is needed, whether that's helping get a Christmas tree out of the attic, fixing some steps, starting a car, moving furniture, driving neighbors to appointments, a snake in the house. But Phil never seems to be available. He's always busy at church. So it tells this story, and then it asks, so who is the good neighbor in this story? Who is the better disciple? There's a little bit more reflection. It says more, most people would say Marty. Now, I'll be very, um, very uh, honest. As a pastor, I struggle a little bit with this <laughs> because I don't think we want to imply that Phil isn't a disciple or that discipleship has to look one way or that connecting and serving in your church is not important or fruitful. I do love the point the story is trying to make. Phil knew plenty about Jesus, but he missed a lot of opportunities in his own neighborhood to reflect the life and love of Jesus. I also love the reminder for me as a pastor that church isn't or shouldn't be about just keeping all of you busy or adding one more date to your calendar, one more to-do on your to-do list. That discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, it can look like knowing your neighbor's names, helping someone fix something, volunteering to coach your daughter's soccer team, helping get a snake out of a house, there's a quote I have um, on the wall in my office um, that I, it's right in front of my desk and I try to keep it before me, but it says, you know, we aren't called to fill the pews with members. We're called to fill the world with disciples. This is the Marty and Phil story. Our leadership team was asked to read through this book, and at our last meeting, we just started off by sharing kind of some thoughts about the book, things that stuck out to us. And a couple people shared this part from the book, that discipleship's not about what we know, it's about what we do. Discipleship's not about information, it's about transformation. It's about our behaviors. It's not adding one more date to our calendar. It's about being open and aware for how we can intentionally reflect the life and love of Jesus. Just as we go about our day, how we are present in our own neighborhoods and our own communities. This past week, um, we lost a member of this community, uh, Sandra Holman. We had her services on Friday, and I was reminded, preparing for her funeral, of uh, Characters of Christmas Advent devotion we did in 2018. I don't know how many of you remember, but people were asked to send in, uh, pick out a character from the Christmas story, and send in a little devotion with the prayer, and Sandra did a cow, so that was hers. But I want to share her prayer, because uh, I was preparing for her funeral and just noticed how much this prayer speaks into the message for today. 
So the end of her devotion says this, Lord, please make me aware each and every day that you provide me with opportunities to share you with the world and that by serving others, I am serving you. Amen. As disciples, we follow in the footsteps of Christ. We consume Jesus. Jesus consumes us. And our world is in turn consumed by a people shaped by a God of liberation, a God of provision, a God of love and grace. Now, I wish... I could stand up here and say I was one of those deeply intentional disciples who begins the day in intentional prayer and devotion, reminding myself that this day is a gift and inviting the Holy Spirit to help me be aware, as Sandra's prayer says. Um, but I'll be honest, um, I'm doing good to get all the morning things done. Um, getting the kids up, getting them fed, getting them off to school, lunches made, myself up and dressed and fed and ready. But I do believe this intentional time in the morning or if it's some other time in the day, it aids us in being more aware. And it's just one way, one way I could strive to live more fully into my call as a disciple. Maybe that's one simple takeaway for us today. How does discipleship look? It looks like being aware, being open. Those first disciples in that story we read, those first called, I mean, they had to be open and aware to what God was doing in Jesus to even make those first steps, right? To immediately drop everything and to follow. So being aware, being open, but Matthew 4 tells us something else with just one verse. Come, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. How does discipleship look? There's three things from this one verse. Come, follow me. The invitation to come, to belong to the body of Christ, to join the group, to take part, to consume Jesus in community, bit by bit, story by story, conversation by conversation, step by step, prayer by prayer, Sunday by Sunday, moment by moment. Discipleship is not about what we know. It isn't just about information. It's about belonging to the body of Christ, joining the group, taking part, making that first step to come, to follow. It gives us a family to do this hard work alongside. It allows us to practice community. Come, follow me, and I will make you. I'll be honest, I've never really thought about that next part. I will make you. We consume Jesus, and we allow Jesus to consume us. We become more like Jesus. And the best part is, according to this verse, it's not us that's doing it. 
We don't have to rely on our own ability. We don't make it happen. I will make you, Jesus says. I will. Or as Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. We consume Jesus. Jesus consumes us. And then that last part. Come follow me and I will make you fish for people. We consume Jesus, Jesus consumes us, and we step out into the world following in the footsteps of Christ. And our world is in turn consumed by a people shaped by a God of liberation, a God of provision, of love and grace. We are blessed, as it says in Genesis, to be a blessing. Belong to the body, become more like Jesus, bless the world. Three things, belong, become, bless. This book, um, if you do read it, can really be overwhelming. You can almost kind of read it and be like, man, I am a terrible disciple. There's so much I don't do. (laughs) But these three things are digestible to me. They kind of give me new energy and inspiration and hope, remind me of this great work to which I am called. Belong to the body become more like Jesus, bless the world. I'm not sharing these three things to say that discipleship is easy if you just follow these. It's costly. It's scary. The author reminds us that discipleship means going where Jesus went, doing what Jesus did, understanding the world from Jesus's perspective, discovering the kingdom of God at hand, learning to think like Jesus, loving the people that Jesus loved, challenging the religious authorities, carrying the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth, and just in case that's not enough, turning the world upside down. One of my favorite books um, It's from Anuma Akor. It's called Reluctant Pilgrim. And she has this line in there where she says, visiting prisoners, caring for the sick, renouncing demons in God's name. You don't do that in a 15-minute lunch break. We don't. We don't check discipleship off of our list and then just move on to the next discipleship task. No, instead, discipleship is about life. Our day-to-day being open and aware for how we can intentionally reflect the life and love of Jesus just as we go about our day. It's how we're present in our neighborhoods and in our communities. Discipleship is about life. And a disciple of Jesus Christ is a follower of Jesus Christ for life. That can be a kind of overwhelming statement, right? For life. It does give that uh, no turning back kind of feel, as the song says. So I give you one more way to think about it. We belong, we become, we bless, and we just keep on keeping on. We keep on keeping on. We keep learning, we keep praying, we keep serving, we keep showing up. We keep taking steps forward, one at a time, day by day, 
we keep on keeping on, trusting that the Holy Spirit is holding us and molding us and opening us up to see the one in need, to see that next faithful step. Our other passage today came from Psalm 15. Um, It's considered an entrance liturgy. It was to be spoken as one prepared to enter the temple for worship. You said it in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was God's place. The temple was God's house where one went to encounter God and to be encountered by God. So one would lift this psalm to prepare, to enter into worship and to prepare to encounter God in worship and be transformed by God's presence in that space. This is what Psalm 15 is about preparing to encounter God and the transformation that occurs as one encounters God. It's about offering our best selves to God, opening ourselves up to be further transformed by God. Discipleship is about consuming Jesus, being consumed by Jesus, opening ourselves up. And as a way to close, I want to give, uh, read Psalm 15 again, but this time from Psalms for Praying. It just makes a little bit of a tweak to what we heard read earlier. O oh, beloved, you invite us to rest in the abode of your heart, to forgive our weaknesses and renew our love. Who will respond with hearts open wide to love? Those who walk with integrity, who are in harmony with your word and sing the heart's song, whose tongues speak truth, judging not others and seeking only the good, whose eyes behold not the outer garments of the body, but see within the inner robe of love, whose own weaknesses are acknowledged and brought to light in prayer, those who are just in all affairs of life and take no advantage of another, those who dwell in the heart of love, who act justly, with integrity, will join the dance of life, will sing the songs of joy. Their family, friends, and indeed the world will be blessed by their love. May it be so. Let us pray.